guys. Welcome back to Napalm and Friends. And this week I am joined with incredibly talented Zach from the Goo-Wop Astro Surf duo, King Flamingo. Thank you so much for being here, Zach. Thank you for having me. Greetings, everybody out there. And I am so excited that you're on the show. You guys have like such a unique sound and such a unique look. But before we get into like King Flamingo, I want to know like what started your musical journey? What made you want to pick up guitar? So I was trying to kind of like rerun this in my mind and I can't remember which came first. It's either, I think what came first was my dad had a guitar in his closet that he got like a from a friend, like really cheap. And it had this tiny little Fender amp with it that had reverb. So I was playing it and there was like a little book on how to play and um, just messing with it. I had the reverb on, I'm like, oh, that's crazy. That sounds like, like I, I kind of knew of surf music in a way. Cause like just growing up in this area, it's where it came from. And like through my parents and stuff with Beach Boys. So I kind of knew of surf music, but I'm like, oh, that's what that is. And so that stuck with me. And I didn't really learn sitting down then, like I wanted to, but I just messed around on it a couple times. And then what actually really got me into it, I feel like was when I saw um, on the TV, it was, uh, what's his name? Nick Arson, Nicholas Arson from the Hives. And like the way he was moving and playing, it was so like cool and spastic. And I'm like, all right, I have to really learn. And then uh, from there, my uncle gave me a Stratocaster, which was a crazy gift of him. And he's a, He's a really cool dude. He got me into blues. He got me into a lot of music, but the guitar really got me going. And then kind of sticking with that surf, like I couldn't get away from the reverb. So when I finally got my own amp, I had to make sure I had reverb and I always had it all the way up. And it's so crazy. Some people will see us play and be like, how do you get it to sound like that? And I'm like, you just put the reverb all the way. Like, I don't, (laughs) I guess some people are scared of the, the 10 to 11 range there, but. Um, so I kept learning guitar and then kind of like inspiration and things I grew up with. I would love to say it was all just cool music, but obviously there's some mainstream things that slipped in there that growing up as a kid, but there was also a lot of cool influence. Like my grandma had an old Firebird and she had like a Phil Spector hits tape in there. And she would always ask me like, oh, what instrument is that? And I'd be like, oh, saxophone and pick out whatever it was. Which is kind of funny because it was a wall of sound, so some instruments were even hard to tell what's going on in there. Yeah. Um, But then my mom was into like an array of music, but she went on a trip to San Francisco, was in a music shop, and they were playing The Cramps. So she went and got that CD, and then she played that a bunch. So like we were introduced to like The Cramps, and like because of her, one of my first CDs I ever bought was a B-52 CD. So like all those things are obviously things that inspired (laughs) And then from there, kind of uh, got into more music. And then there was kind of like that Napster era and you could start to get more things. And I remember hearing the word like punk and there was like punk covers and it would just be like a Sesame Street song by some like band that's anonymous. But through that, I got, I happened to get a Dead Kennedys track. And the only one, like, I just remember hearing the name and punk and I was thinking like, this is going to be crazy. Like, and I imagine, I imagine it was like guys with like president masks on like in point break or something. And then I listened to it and it actually like so rarely does something like kind of live up to what you expected, but it just came in so hot. And then, um, the solo was like almost like the Disney haunted mansion, I think is what they kind of sampled, played the solo to. And it was like the fact that it sounded like horror, like that stuck with me forever. I'm like, why wouldn't you play a solo that sounds like that? (laughs) So that's kind of always been ingrained. And then, um, 
this is getting a little long-winded, but if you want to, if you want me to stick to it, I'll keep going. No, it seems like there's like a wide variety of influences in your life. Um, and then especially like having family members or at least like your uncle giving you the guitar at a young age and then finding the guitar from your dad. But what was it like picking it up for the first time? Like, and just kind of strumming and did you teach yourself or was there anyone that kind of like guided you on how to play or? Yeah, so I I did a lot of like, it was luckily in that era of tabs, like being a big thing on the internet because I, I still don't know how to read music. Um, but tabs made it super easy and you could just like look up whatever song and try to learn that way. So I did that and then my grandma got me lessons for a little bit, but the guy was just kind of teaching me songs, but I'm still very grateful for it. So I kind of just went back to uh, teaching myself. And then Chris, my drummer, he actually, he's actually way better at guitar than I am. <laughs> which is kind of funny, but we grew up together. Um, we've known each other since elementary school oh, and wow. we grew up playing guitars together. And that was kind of my first musical experience with someone else. And um, it was for a while. I didn't really jam with anyone until high school, except for our, our like one-on-one -on -one guitar <laughs> little sessions. But um, so in high school, I got into a couple bands, kind of two at once. And it was like one initially wanted to be a David Bowie cover band. And I was the last person to join and it became nothing like a David Bowie cover band. It became like, I don't know, we were almost like stadium rock at that point. Like it was just like we were just playing rock and roll and it was like bigger than our, our bridges. And then uh, at the same time, I was in a DIY punk band playing these crazy shows where people are flying everywhere and just being, I've been always in my own world of music, but never out in the world of music. So I'm really grateful I fell into those situations or else I probably never would have played live. And it was, um, just by finally kind of meeting other people who were like-minded in music. And that took all the way up till uh, about my junior, senior year of high school. And that leads me to my next question, as far as like these bands that you've dabbled in and then actually being friends with your drummer, your drummer since elementary school, how did King Flamingo come about? So coming out of high school, I was in two different bands, but some of them were rearranged with those guys. And some of them are still my best friends to this day but I was in a band called The Shrills and we were playing, actually at the time, Orange County, that's where I come out of. We had a really cool scene at that time where, where like there were shows going on by like in Laguna Beach and that was like the trash pretty scene. And a lot of bands came out of there that were like um, like Cosmonauts and like Ty Siegel and some of these bands who got went really far. But from playing there, we got kind of into the Costa Mesa, then LA scene and we were playing like The Smell and stuff like that. And that was a really fun era. But that band was super wild and we were getting kind of like banned from, we got banned from the Echo, we got banned from Burger Records, we got banned what? from a few places, but it, it was fun. It was, we were angsty and obnoxious and kind of trying to be on in the red and all that, but um, it was a fun time and we're still, a lot of us are really good friends, but it just got to a point where I was like, I don't know, I was so burnt out on that and I didn't want the shows to blow up. I wanted to play music where it could like hold together and be kind of more, more just fun. It mm -hmm. kind of lost the fun. I created like a character that I played in it. I wanted to be like Doyle from the Misfits. So I became this like monster in wrestling pants persona. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, so I kind of outgrew that in a way. And as it that band kind of fizzled out and became dysfunctional, mm -hmm. I started hanging out with Chris again. We kind of had a couple years there. We weren't hanging out, but ever since elementary school, we've been like best friends. So we kept in contact and then Right around that time, we happened to fall back into being friends again. And he was in school for engineering and I was in for architecture. And he is so much more advanced than me than all that. Like 
because he helped me out with like calculus and mechanical engineering and stuff, or uh, sorry, mechanical physics, but he was like in thermodynamics and crazy stuff. So it was cool. So we started to bond on like, I don't know, actually trying in life, which is something I wasn't finding in the music scene. And um, we, at the same time, we started building our first guitar that we ever built. And um, each, we each took on a building project and through that we just really bonded and started to get existential started to get deeper on things and wanted to start a band and we were like let's make a band where we could put everything that we know like graphics <laughs> recording to whatever to our diy level but um like videos the guitars we make the gear that's why like all of our stuff is custom we wanted to have a band that's just like this is what we do this is everything and like it, it felt really cool because we we're like, who could we have in it? And then we're like, let's just be us. Like growing up, I like the flat duo jets were a huge inspiration. So I was like, I've always wanted to do that, but never thought it'd be possible. And then I kind of wanted to be in a band where like everyone could drive themselves, everyone could show up sober, like everyone could pull it off. And um, just knowing that we had the two of us, we knew we were very capable. And it became so fun because it was like, Shows before that were like lifting everyone's giant gear and like it was just this huge thing. And um, for King Flamingo, it's just like we threw out our tiny gear and like at first I was using this tiny amp and like um, it, it was just so fun. It was something more like surfing or skating or something because it was like you just throw it down and do it and then get out. And it was like just the two of us and it became it was just so it's the most fun I've ever had playing music.
Well, you guys do definitely have a memorable sound, but just as memorable, memorable is the name. So like, how did you guys come up with the name King Flamingo? And was there any other names that you guys like dabbled with? I'm actually stoked to answer this because a lot of people like at first we had like some write-ups and stuff and they're like, oh, these guys want to be King King Con. They took the name even. And I was like, no, it wasn't that. I just, when I was falling out of my other band, I didn't know what to call this band. And I'm like, it's like going to be all like the cheesy, like kitschy stuff. And it's going to be, and so I was thinking I was going to call it Pink Flamingo UFO. <laughs> just because that encompasses everything, I guess. And then I made my Instagram that name because I no longer had like the Shrills Instagram or whatever. So that was my Instagram name. And one day I was skating at the skate park by my house and um, I had this one really funny friend who was there and he was just calling everyone by their Instagram name. And he, he was like, oh, Pink Goofo. And I was like, no, it's Pink Flamingo. And then that day I'm like, I got to change it. I got to do like the upgrade. And I'm like, what's like one more? And it sounded like Emperor Penguin almost. I was like, King Flamingo, that sounds cool. And it's kind of like Elvis-y. And yeah. so that's how that came to be. Dude, that's a fantastic name. And then something that I did notice is how you guys called it as like Goo-Wop and then like Astro Surf. And it's like, I don't know, like those are such cute, like not even cute, but like such creative genres. Like what, what made you guys want to start calling it that? Um, I don't know. I just think it was kind of punny. Like the first little EP we did, Astro uh, Tone, it was supposed to be in ways like I've always wanted to be like Chris Isaac, my hero. My, um, but I can't sing that well. So I'm like the, the mummy's version of Chris Isaac or something. But uh, but his first record was called Silver Tone. And I'm like, oh, but we're spacey. Let's call it Astro Tone. And then from there, um, Astro Surf just made sense because it sounded like Astro Turf. And we we're doing like a transition over to more surfy sound. And then we, we've been sitting on our next, we have basically you'll start to catch on to patterns we do with volumes and with everything is mirrored. Some things we do like inverse track order, like just do things that are like, if people ever pay attention, we'll catch. There's tons of references in songs and everything like uh, lyric wise and stuff. But um, we've been sitting on the next one, which uh, is called Goo-Op. And that's more of our transition to almost like a little more doo y a little Ramonesy. So hopefully that comes out within this year. COVID kind of set us back on it. No, yeah. Unfortunately, COVID really like kind of threw a wrench in a lot of people's plans but i will say this for the listeners i will be attaching links in the bio to this episode on youtube on instagram um and whatever other platform you guys have your music on will be in the bio so definitely check them out because it is so worth your time because there's definitely like a theme of horror and like classic scares throughout your guys's music like so far a couple of my favorite ones is you haunt me the rib cage and attack of the manchovy which we were talking about before we started recording and the music video to Attack of the Manchovy is just like mwah, chef's kiss. Like I loved it. It's very <laughs> DIY. You guys are just so creative with what you have. And I loved like the half fish suit that you guys created for this character. And it was just so endearing. So like, what is the process of creating these like music videos for you guys? Because even though some people might say it's like, oh, that's so simple. I'm like, no, like I've tried to do like little simple videos like that, but they're so time consuming. So what is a process like for you? Well, thank you for all that. Uh, um, it's usually a nightmare. It's usually, I always joke to Chris, cause it's usually like, I write it all out. I have like the idea for what a shot will look like. 
oftentimes we'll book people who don't show up. Like when we did uh, Planet of the Babes, I think we tried to go like three different times and each time like everyone bailed. And so we just ended up stranded, stood up. It was tragic, but, <laughs> but we finally got that one done. But a ton of the time it's like us strapping a camera to whatever we can find and like, I mean, I don't want to take away from any of the mystique, but a lot of the times it is just us setting up a camera and like it's falling over or like old phones would overheat or run out of battery after we did a take. And it's always a struggle and I get into this weird mode. And it's funny because I think it kind of comes out in our characters where it's like, I don't know, like I, I'm, I'm not super serious on things, but something like usually when we make the videos, I'm all like, it's falling apart. I get in this like crazy mode and it's just kind of funny because Chris gets to play the relaxed kind of character and I, I feel like in the videos and stuff I almost look more serious and it's probably because of that dynamic where I'm like always oh it's gotta get done it's gotta get right and then every once in a while we get someone to help hold the camera and that's always cool <laughs> or in Attack of the Man show sorry to interrupt no 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 fine uh, I wanted to note uh, specifically the ribcage music video which I thought was so adorable because it was just you two in different costumes and maybe like one skeleton oh, with a give that away <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very endearing. And like I said, I will be adding the link to the YouTube channel and like specifically to a couple of my favorite music videos, because like I said, it's so worthwhile. Not only is the music great, but the visuals are also fantastic. Um, and then with that being said, what is your most memorable show so far with King Flamingo? I actually, I had to write two because um they're just on a super different like spectrum from one another but we played a show in san diego and we like to kind of stretch out and play from la to san diego anything in between and then jump out of those bounds every once in a while too but um we've kind of felt like we didn't have a home forever so we in so at some points we were playing more in san diego and then more in orange county than more in la but we had this one in san diego and that can always be kind of hit or miss down there it's a crazy place but we were playing this show at the two till two club and we showed up and nobody was there and the bartender was like oh we don't have a band tonight and we were like no we're supposed to play the show and then yeah. so i called mick who's a guy down there who he throws shows at like tower bar and stuff he's a really cool guy and i called him and he was like that show was last night and i was like oh man i'm oh, so no. sorry and he's like i'll grab my dj stuff i'll come down so he came down and he um he set up and he dj'd and then we set up and we played and it was literally him in the back of the room waiting to DJ, the bartender, and then a, a first date at the bar. And um, and it was just so funny as it was going, we could tell the date wasn't going that well. And then like, oh no. she, he, he ended up leaving and like, we all cheered when he, when he left because she said like she, she was a jerk or something, but it was probably the best we've ever played. We just went off, we had no like, I don't know. There was like, there's nothing holds back, and not, like we're just like whatever. We're a day late and a dollar short, and uh, we just really went for it. And I feel like that's the most we've ever torn it up for about three people. That's actually pretty <laughs> and then, cool. Though. And then the band thought we, the other band thought that we big timed them, so I felt bad on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. And then the other time. Uh, the other time was probably right before we started to get a little bit more steam than we had, and. Um, kind of right before the pandemic we played that mondo hollywood uh festival and that was just really cool because it felt like we were finally kind of playing a little more with like what we came up from and playing with people we look up to and like playing with manor astroman in the other room <laughs> that was really cool and playing with bloodshot and mark sultan and oh, that was a really good cool time felt like we were in the right place so 
hopefully hopefully there'll be more of that coming up no hopefully fingers crossed uh i'm excited to catch a a show in the future um and let me reiterate to the listeners uh because you guys post your shows only on instagram or is there another place where you guys post upcoming shows um (laughs) kind of really on there and then yeah like we kind of did Facebook, but that's a weird no man's land. And yeah. Yeah, okay, so well. really yeah, on Instagram, I guess. And then sometimes if it's a big enough show that somehow gets posted on uh, Spotify, I don't know how that how that works, but. Okay. Well, I'll be tagging your guys' Instagram page in the bio. So whoever's listening, give them a follow because it is, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. Like it is well worth your time. Um, and then I kind of threw this question together. I had heard it, I forgot in what interview, and I thought it was so interesting, where if you had to put together a class, what book, film, and album would be included in your class syllabus? This is such a good and hard question because it could go so many different ways, um, but I'm gonna keep it kind of in a King Flamingo palette. Um, so book, I chose uh, The Cosmos by Carl Sagan. It's, it's a cool, I kind of fits in the King Flamingo world in the sense it's like pop science in a way where it's stripped down for the the average uh, person to kind of get into that world. But it's also cool because it puts you in that lens of thought. I thought of doing Hawking, but that's a bit more formula, less fun kind of realm of science. But that's kind of the train of thought that like Chris and myself find ourselves in having backgrounds in um, like engineering and physics and stuff. It's kind of like that's what the world is to us. And those books kind of put you in that, that sense where it's, especially this one, the, the cosmos, where it's everything infinite both ways. And it kind of puts life into perspective. It puts things in perspective. It kind of, um, I don't know, it's kind of my overall ideology is the stars. And that obviously comes through in King Flamingo. Okay. So then what film would be in your class syllabus? Okay, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> and for... Uh-huh. Is it like the remake, the original? Like Oh no, the original. I think 68 is when it came out. Um, and for some obvious reasons, uh, Rod Serling wrote it, or at least co-wrote it. And so it's kind of like getting a full Twilight Zone movie in color and has probably one of his best twist endings, you know? It's mm. one of the most famous. I won't, spoiler alert, um, I won't tell you how that ends, but it's also has a lot of cool like social commentary as Rod Serling does. and. Um, kind of like I don't know so many people are always like oh he was so ahead of his time but I feel like he just has timeless stories timeless um themes and in very timely (laughs) pieces like like just so much more like Twilight Zone so Cold War era but he'll bring in uh, he'll bring in kind of um stories from the Bible into the space age or Romeo and Juliet to the space age and he's the best so there's obviously a lot of uh Rod Serling in King Flamingo (laughs) Okay. And last but not least, which album would be in your class syllabus? I went through so many for this one and I'm going to regret what I ended up choosing, but it had one of the biggest impacts and it's not a studio record, but Link Ray Missing Links 1 because it's a bunch of stuff he did with um, Lucky Ray, which was like his brothers. And it was just crazy when I first heard that comp, it's like... I hadn't heard that side of him and he was obviously one of my heroes and I've heard him just like kind of bang out chords the way he does. But 
that whole collection is all this kind of poppy stuff. He does doo-wop, he sings on some of the tracks and he just has a wild voice. And it, when I heard it, I'm like, I was blown away because I didn't hear it till kind of later. And it was like, man, this is so fun. And I think it had a huge inspiration on King Flamingo and we've even kind of referenced it at times and some guitar work and stuff to kind of shout out to it. <laughs> What I do appreciate is like with your class recommendations and uh, with King Flamingo overall, because I'm also being nosy, I'm like looking in the in the background of your of your room and I see the movie posters that you have. And I think it's very obvious that you guys have this love of like sci-fi and like classic horror. And it's specifically where it's super obvious in your music videos. Um, I kind of wanted to, wanted to kind of dig in as to why did you guys love these like classic films so much? What was it about it that drew you guys to it? Um, for me personally, uh, growing up, my family would have what we called Biggie Night. And Biggie Night was when we'd have like a B horror movie and it would usually be someone else picking it. And oftentimes my, my grandpa kind of kicked it off. He loved that kind of stuff. Like um, we we do all kinds, like from Vincent Price to sometimes we would even get all the way to like Tremors or something a little more modern but a lot of it was like the old b horror and so i always had a soft spot for that kind of feeling and just like kind of knowing my grandpa's story too and like just his his whole old life was so <laughs> glamorized to me that it was just it was that whole kind of package uh, i mean kind of touching back on one of your music videos uh with the rib cage it reminded me so much of like House on Haunted Hill, the original with the skeleton on the string. Uh, yes. I don't know, like there is a scene in the movie where it's the skeleton that's kind of like about to push this woman into, I believe it's like this little pool. And it's just this skeleton that's on this like fishing line. Yeah. And in your guys' music video, you guys have this skeleton that's dressed as a lady, like this polka dot dress, polka dot earrings, and it's fantastic. So these are like little things that I picked up where I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Like. I don't know. Something that that one wasn't a direct influence, but that's funny now looking back at it. I almost wish we had done had thought of that. I did not think of it at the time, but yeah, almost everything we do is somewhat to a plan nine degree. <laughs> and, and it's always it's always a struggle too. Like that skeleton, Chris was like laying on the ground holding it up, and he's like, I can't <laughs> hold it any longer. <laughs> and it's funny because um, what comes to mind for me when I was watching your guys' music video or videos, because I was like binge watching them, is, I don't know if you've seen the movie, um, oh God, it's been a while since I've seen it, The Sun Demon, which is like, I a, I think like a 1950s or like 1960s horror movie, it's in black and white. And I remember I was watching it on Amazon Prime, so Amazon Prime, please like, you know, sponsor me. Um, I put pause and like this trivia came up saying that the director, his name escapes me at the moment, he wrote it, uh, directed it and then filmed it, and he also starred in it as the de as the sun demon. And because he was on such a small budget, what he would do is that he would go uh, rent out all the equipment that he needed on a Friday. And seeing that the place was closed Saturday Sunday, he only had to pay for one day, and he got him he would get two days like for free. <laughs> so it's very like DIY, like just working with what you have. Like it just really reinforced the idea in me that if there's a will, there's a way. And I think that's what you guys do too. Like if there's a will, there's a way. It's very DIY punk, like the nitty gritty. Oh, for sure. There's so many times that we were just cooking in the sun, trying to like, I broke a belt on the van and we're trying to like get clips. And then 
every time you're filming people want to know what's going on and that takes out so much of the time where it's like no no please no more (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic though it's like i can't wait to see what else you guys like what music or music video videos that you guys come out with Sound where you can't get to it. 
With its fiery glow 
sorry for the things I've done. Forgive me, dear, my only one. Baby's back Once more she's mine To have and hold Till end of time The moon shines down From up above It's light to cool The fire of love The fire of I don't have any more questions for you other than the fact that if you have any advice for budding musicians. <laughs> That's such a hard one. I would say do as I say, not as I do. Um, <laughs> do I, I don't know. Like we, we've just always taken it from a point of like from the get go, every move we do is like, it, it, like in a cult fashion, like to be a cult band, like it's none of it. We've never wanted to be, big so I, I don't know I wouldn't say follow that structure unless that's what you really want <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but just I, I think the biggest things I can look back at and wish maybe I had done differently is caring as much about what some people say <laughs> like whether it's family or friends or like other bands like we had a lot of people who were like oh well you didn't play that many times this month like you're not a real band and it's like I would get strung out on that and start trying to book a ton of shows that didn't really matter, but were fun. But like, so like there was just so many times I got like mentally tripped up where I could have been probably making more music and stuff. And now we're just at a cool point where it's like, yeah, it's just fun. We want to keep releasing on our own pace, do some more videos to us. Like videos can be worth more than a show. Cause you know, like you get a couple, you get 30 views on a YouTube video, 10 people at a show, you know, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, we just kind of want to focus on what's fun to us. So do a cool, healthy balance and not really care what someone else says as far as like us being a real band, just do it to whatever level you want. If you do want more, go for that too. That's not wrong. That's fantastic. And I couldn't agree more because I know I, I mean, I know I just run this like little pirate radio show, but I've gotten caught up with what people are saying and like the advice they give where it just stopped being fun. And then it just kind of created this, sense of like oh this is a drag I don't want to do it anymore so really refocusing and like wanting to do it for yourself is a huge game changer so I, I, I couldn't agree more for sure yeah getting caught up like with things that come with Instagram where it's like we had a little while where it was like we're getting a bunch of stuff on there and like getting shows through it and then I just wanted to take a break from that and then it's crazy how much that will affect like how many people get to see your stuff after that they like start to kick you down in there and but I mean, I don't really mind at this point. It's <laughs> yeah. At first it got to me, but now I'm like, ah, it's healthier to just kind of let that stuff go and have fun. No, definitely. Well, I definitely appreciate all the insight and all the stories that you shared with me and the listeners. I will say, uh, because you said it was so hard to pick one album, you're always more than welcome to come back on and create another class syllabus. I'll do the um, full, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I am so grateful. Thank you for giving me a bit of your time, dude. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for the show. Like I was telling you, it's gotten me through some uh, some housework the last few uh, weeks here, and it's been awesome and informative. If you guys want to learn uh, about the history of the theremin or 
a bunch of cool music nerdy stuff like that tune in no yeah tune in tune out just just listen to new listens (laughs) Uh, into the coffee fund oh yeah seriously no uh but yeah thank you